was at the uh, the prophetic word conference that we had a couple weeks ago? Yeah, wasn't that fun? Who was here the the first night, Thursday night, with Sean Bowles? I've never seen anyone operate in the gift of the word knowledge like that in my entire life. It was it was really awesome. It was kind of like scary awesome. I'd never met him uh, in my life. I've never even high-fived him. And I, but I was leading worship on Thursday night, and he came in near the end of worship and then uh, you know, gave a really great message. And then at the end, he said, okay, now I'm going to minister. And uh, I figured that's cue for the worship band to get back on stage. That's how church usually works. Like you get up there and play something pretty while he ministers. And, um, and so we, the band got up on stage, but he said, actually, I don't, I don't want to do any music right now. I just want to give prophetic words. And he looked, he looked at me and said, your name's Jeremy, isn't it? I've never met him. And I was like, yeah, my name's Jeremy. And he said, June 17th. I was like, yeah, that's my birthday. And he said, I, I was just at Morningstar. Is Morningstar important to you? And I was like, yeah, that's the school I graduated from. And he said, you have three toddlers? Yes. <laughs> and then, okay, so those, those are four words of knowledge. That's called a word of knowledge, where someone just has a piece of information about you that they have no way in the natural of knowing. It's not like he Facebook stalked me to get, I mean, I've never met him. He didn't even know I was leading worship that night. And then he, he really encouraged me in the Lord. But he used those, those words of knowledge as like faith builders. And I'd never had anyone give me so many accurate words of knowledge in a row. I've been in so many prophetic meetings. Um, I was pretty much born in a tambourine shake in Holy Ghost Church. And so I'm, I'm well acquainted with the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Ghost and, and people operating in, in those gifts. And I, and I was even out at Morningstar where I was around these great men of God. Morningstar is in South Carolina. It's a really cool church and, and a ministry school, but people like Bob Jones and Rick Joyner, who are kind of like internationally known as really prophetic people, but I'd never seen anyone operate in the gift of the word of knowledge like that in my life. And it actually, it reminded me of the stories from like the healing tent revivals of the 40s, where people like William Branham or or the other uh, evangelists would call out everyone's first name in the entire row and tell them their social security numbers and stuff. This is before, you know, it was videotaped. <laughs> There's no internet for people to go and scam your, your ID. But um, I was so happy to be in the meeting because I wasn't not like in a, a, in a bad comparing way, but in a good comparing way, I was thinking, oh, that's what I can operate in. That's it. Like, I've, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it quite like that. And, um, you know, after he gave me those words of knowledge, he did it to, like, the next seven people. He got John's birthday, Tracy's birthday, Bliss's name, which is John's daughter, the fact that she's recovering from a back injury, Bliss's boyfriend's name, Michael. And he said, I see Michael, like, blowing a horn over Bliss. Well, Michael's last name is Horning. I mean, it was just word of knowledge after word of knowledge. And then a friend... A mutual friend of mine came up 
and uh, at the very, very end, and was given Sean Bowles a uh, hug. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Vincent. Happy birthday to you. Vincent has 11,315 days under his belt where he's been gaining wisdom and stature and favor in the Lord. He turned 31 today, which we all know what Proverbs 31 says, right ladies? In fact, Jeremiah 31 also says that the young women will do the dance of the merrymakers. <laughs> so yeah, um, Vincent, I love you, man. Happy birthday. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the, a friend of mine came up and gave Sean Bowles a hug. And because um, they were like mutual friends from years ago. And Sean said to him, I was standing right next to him. He said, uh, I don't know if this is the exact date or anything like that. He said, June 4th. He's like, yeah, that's my birthday. And he said, April 20th. And he said, yeah, that's my wife's birthday. And then he said, and I see like 1127 Deshaun Avenue. And he goes, that's the house we just moved into last week. That's his address. <laughs> so fun and then he, you know, he said he gave him the word of the Lord which really uh, seemed to minister to him because he f- fell stiff like a dead man on the floor yeah there was no catcher he, he knocked Tracy into George and Banoff the other guest speaker I saw this happen he just went down like a ton of bricks you know it's real when there's no catcher okay if there's a catcher and you see him like but this, no catcher, if there was no chair, like, behind him, he would just would have smacked his head on the floor. It was awesome to watch. <laughs> I talked to him afterwards, and um, he's been walking with the Lord for, like, 40 years. And he said, it's, it's been years and years and years since I've fallen out in the Spirit. And I was like, yeah, man, w- w- wasn't it really awesome? He's like, no, it was the fear of the Lord. He said, I've, I haven't seen anyone moving at that level of the prophetic ever. And that's really what was going on. The fear of the Lord was in the room. It freaked me out. Wasn't that cool, guys? Be jealous if you skipped out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, the prophetic, there's this guy in the Old Testament named Samuel, and he was like the rock star prophet of Israel. Um, and the Lord was... All of Israel was pretty much crying out for a, for a king, and God decided to give him a king, and God chose this man named Saul. And Saul was actually a really good choice. Um, God didn't set him up for failure. God chose like a really awesome guy. Um, and those of you who have read the story out of uh, 1 Samuel 16 know that Saul you know, started screwing up pretty big time. He sinned against the Lord, um, and then the Lord talks to Samuel, the prophet, who had anointed Saul king. He said, I've, 
I've rejected Saul and I've chosen another. And the Lord tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. And, and so he does. And when he gets there, Jesse brings out all of his sons. He's got a bunch of sons. And he pretty much like paraded the, his kids before the prophet so that the prophet could see if any of them were supposed to be the next king. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6, it says, He looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Isn't that good news, guys? Then Jesse called in Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel, and it's not him. And then Shammah passed before him. I'm really glad. It'd be weird to have a King Shammah. It's not a manly name. Um, He made all seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, um, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So when David gets in there, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, or Ramah. So David is the youngest of eight sons, and for some reason he has a uh, the place of just keeping the sheep. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to why David wasn't in the room at the time, but um, suffice it to say that uh, he was probably the least honorable. He was probably the runt of the litter. He may have even, a lot of people think that he was um, uh, an illegitimate son, that maybe Jesse uh, had an affair with a woman, and and David was born out of wedlock. In fact, it says in Psalm 51, uh, in sin my mother conceived me. And so David, he actually gets anointed king, and he's just this shepherd kid, right? Isn't that good news for us? I love that the Lord chose to use um, prostitutes and bastards to be the lineage of Jesus. I mean, that, that's a biblical term. I'm sorry if it offended you. but <laughs> I mean, that's really good news for us. He can use us. So David has this incredible prophetic word for his life. Have you guys ever heard of a man named Mike Krotz? C-R-O-T-T-S? He's become uh, kind of famous. He's married to this woman named Phyllis. And let me tell you a little bit about their backstory. Michael and Phyllis tried for 15 years to get pregnant. And around 1990, they received a prophetic word that they're going to have a son named Caleb. (laughs) When Caleb came in tonight, 
I knew it was prophetic. <clears throat> but they've been trying forever to have kids. And so now this, this person who's known to be very prophetic and internationally traveling kind of prophetic man tells him, you're going to conceive, have a son, and you're going to name him Caleb. And you're going to raise him together. And, and this is still the prophetic word. Mike, the father, would play a large part in Caleb's development, and his destiny would be similar to his father, father's Michael. You know what happened in 1990? A little while after they got that prophetic word, Mike Kratz gets a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and dies. So at this point, I want you guys to hang with me. Both David and Mike have these incredible, incredible prophetic words over their life. Let's go back to David's life for a second. In Samuel chapter 17, the whole Philistine army has come against Israel. And they brought with them Goliath. Dum, dum, dum. He's a nine-foot giant. And Goliath paraded himself in front of Israel, just trying to strike fear into the, the, the hearts of the men of Israel. And it worked very, very well. And Goliath's challenge to all the men was this. In verse 8, choose a man to come down and fight me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then Goliath said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the, the Philistines' words, King Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And at this point, David has been sent by uh, his dad, Jesse, to bring cheese and crackers to his fighting brothers. His, his older brothers were part of the, the, the army. They were, they were real soldiers. David was just the Nabisco delivery man. The Bible invented cheese and crackers. And so da you guys know the story. Ga David gets there and he hears this this Philistine defying Israel and taunting them. And he's like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? He's like, I'll, I'll fight him. Let me at him. Let me at him. I'll fight him. And you got to, okay, so like I'm, I'm 5'10". This is probably about three foot. So that's, this is Goliath. His shoulders are about where my elbows are. <laughs> and he's got a, 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 a staff that's a weaver's beam. And I don't know what a weaver's beam is, but I'm sure it's big. It's like a light pole or something. <laughs> and so he's, and, but David hears this guy taunting Israel and he's like, I'll take him on. And um, he gets taunted by his brothers. I'm trying to like shorten the story up real quick here. And even King Saul is like, you can't fight Goliath. You're just a kid, and he's been a fighting, like, warrior man since he was a kid. And, and Sam is like, I don't care. I've, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. My bear hands. Let me at him. Put me in, coach. And so Saul, <clears throat> Saul's like, you can't go out there just in your shepherd garb. First of all, it's embarrassing. And, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so Saul's like, you got to wear my armor. At least wear my armor when you go out there. And David tries it on, and he's like, 
I can't fight him like this. I can't move my arms. It's just, it doesn't fit right. And, and so he takes off the armor. He's like, I got to be me. This is pretty much, this is the prophetic picture. The, the older man of God is trying to put his mantle and anointing on his disciple. And the disciple is saying, I know that your armor is awesome. And, I, you know, and it's won a lot of battles, but I got to be me. And, and what I know how to do is sling stones. I can play the harp, and I can sling stones, and right now the harp's not going to cut it. So I'm going to go grab some stones. <laughs> and he grabs five. And you guys know the story. He, he lays out that guy, but check this out. I love reading. I love reading this. This is First uh, Samuel 17:48. This is such an epic scene, and it's like better than Braveheart. 1 Samuel 17, 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I wanted to read the, sorry, here it is. The Philistine said to, this is before, (laughs) let me back up. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword or the spear, but the the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. And then he ran at him. He ran at him. I mean, if you're about to face down a guy that is twice your size and has three times your skill level in fighting, do you think that the, the best first idea is to taunt him? I mean, if you're gonna, you can die quick or you can die slow. You know what I mean? Like he's, and if you taunt him, he's probably going to make you die slowly. But David, just so gutsy. He tells him exactly how it is. When David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout, pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, So the wounded Philistines fell on the way to Sherim as far as Gath and Ekron, which means there's just a long line of dead Philistines. So, you know, when like David was anointed, it said the spirit rushed on him. And then there's that cool little sentence where he said, "I've, I've killed a lion and a bear. Do you think that's the reason why David wasn't afraid? Why wasn't David afraid of Goliath in that moment? Jacob. It's a bad idea to speak against God for sure. That probably played a pretty big role in it. 
I would venture to say that David wasn't afraid of Goliath because he wasn't king yet. He had a prophetic word, didn't he? He can't die. Who said invincible? Yes, he's invincible until that word comes to pass. Let's jump back over to Mike, Krotz, and Phyllis. So uh, Michael has been dead for a half hour from that massive heart attack. And his wife, Phyllis, is there praying that that her husband would wake back up. And she's pleading with God and saying, and praying over his body, and, and the doctors are trying to push her away as she's like clawing her way back in there to get a hand on his body. This is actually all videotaped. And, and eventually they just, I mean, he's been dead for so long, they don't care if she's like laying on top of him, like praying for him. And <clears throat> while this is going on, Mike actually leaves his body, and he has a vision in heaven of seven mountains. And these are the seven mountains of influence. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's the mountains of influence like media and church and business and government and entertainment and education and something else. And um, God is actually speaking to Mike in this vision and and he points at the mountain of government and says to Michael, I'm giving you that mountain. It's yours and your son's. But all Phyllis saw in this moment was her dead husband and a dead prophetic word. And then there's this moment that comes where something shifts in Phyllis's heart and she stops praying and she stops just agreeing with the word of God and begins to command the word of God over her husband. And he says, and she says over him, you wake up because we're going to have a son and name him Caleb. We will raise him together. He's going to follow after you and your destiny. I command you to wake up, Michael. Blip, 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 blip. His heart starts beating again. This is on the video. And the doctors say, well, now you've done it. He's going to be brain dead. He hasn't had oxygen to his brain in 30 minutes. (laughs) Michael gets sucked out of his vision in heaven, back into his bed, wakes up and says, where's my son? They haven't had a son yet. He wakes up and starts talking. 15 years after trying and a few months after dying, They become pregnant. (laughs) In in 1992, um, okay, so they have a son and they name, name him Caleb. And then in 1992, Mike becomes a senator. Remember God said, I'm giving you that mountain. He's actually served four successful terms as a senator in Georgia. He's, he's been on different Christian um, TV stations telling his testimony. (laughs) 
So something happened in David's heart and something happened in Phyllis's heart. It's, it's very, very similar. They realized they had an unfulfilled prophetic word and they began to war for it. You know, there's a verse for that. It's 1 Timothy 1.18. It says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Another, another translation says, do war with those prophetic words. Do you guys think that we can get in trouble for believing in the Lord for too much? When do we usually get in trouble? When we believe in him for too little, right? Who's the guy that's convinced us that it's possible to believe in God for too much? Who do you think invented the, the whole doctrine or, or teaching of presumption? That you can presume that God is too good I would say it's Satan. I would say he's used this word presumption to keep us from believing in God. Oh, you're just, you're, you're acting in straight up presumption. Do you know what presumption actually means when you look it up? It just means that you're pre-assuming something about someone's character. I'd actually define that as faith. I want you guys to know that confidence and ambition are good. I've been asking myself this, when did it become okay for me to disagree with God's opinion of me? If Jesus himself has, says, has said to me, Jeremy, I'm going to use you to change the way Christianity looks throughout every nation, and every church will be affected by your ministry, and you will be made famous because you desire to make me famous. Should I say to him, Nah. <laughs> Jesus, I'm I'm not that big of a deal. Like uh <laughs> I'm just trying to lead a good, righteous life, you know. But we do that. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord will tell us something about our identity or our future or our destiny, and we'll be I... <laughs> No, I mean, not me. (laughs) We've been so turned around by the religious spirit that we call self-hatred humility. We've been so turned around that we call confidence pride. We can have confidence in the words of God. We can be like David. We can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about to be turned into crispy critters before this whole nation and this evil king and say to that evil king, uh, you can throw us in that furnace because we're not going to worship you no matter what you say. And even if our God doesn't deliver us, let it be known today we'll never worship you and there's only one God. And of course, you know the story. They're thrown into the, the furnace and they walk around with Jesus. And they come out, not even their clothes were burned up. So 
So we're going to do something. We're going to apply this teaching to our own lives tonight about doing war with, uh, oh, I still need that. We're going to do war with the words that have been spoken over us. And I've asked uh, Vincent to come up and Hosanna to come up. And I haven't asked other people, but I bet you I can get Joy to come up. <laughs> Not yet. <clears throat> here's, here's what we're going to do. They're actually going to tell us certain prophetic words that they have over their lives and their destiny and how God has told them they're going to impact the world. And they're just going to say it very matter-of-factly, like, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And everyone in here, we're going to be like, that's right, that's right, that's right. And we're going to affirm them in that because that's, that's actually what the body does. And, and when they... <clears throat> And when we see them start to fulfill these callings and destinies on their life, what we're not going to do is get jealous. We're going to rejoice with them and be like, as my brother prospers, so do I. Because you have your own words over your life. And you know that they're going to come to pass because we have a good, good father. <laughs> it's who he is. <laughs> Vincent, tell us about your future. Let's start with, uh, I'm going to write and publish at least 30 books that are going to shift culture. I'm not sure you guys really believe that. Can you just make sure? Okay. Okay, now, now I know. Now I know you believe it. I'm also going to help uh, people publish their books, probably over 100. We'll just go for hundreds. Ten of, ten of Chucks. I've got faith for 12. Who's got 13? Do I hear 13? All right. Uh, I'm going to give away a million dollars in one shot, and it's not going to affect my life. I'll stop with those. I've got some good ones. I'm going to be a leader in the business world. So much so that I'm going to pour into others who desire and have a goal for business. Amen. Um, I am going to be a teacher and preacher specifically favored with women and to set women free. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be married. Well, I'm going to raise at least 14 people from the dead. I'm also going to write a spirit-filled curriculum for massage therapists. nations. Woo! Of course, preaching the gospel, raising the dead, healing the sick. Awesome. This is Sarah. I love your heart. Sorry. 
Um, I'm going to be a Christian movie maker and mess up Hollywood. <laughs> That's it. Is there anybody else that wants to declare something about their destiny in front of this church that will affirm you? It feels real good. Mason, come on, man. <laughs> I'm going to touch every nation on this earth with my own two feet before I die. <laughs> So true. Sasha. I am going to be a mother of nations, going to be able to adopt at least three kids. Um, what else? <laughs> That's what I really want to do. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be able to pour in thousands, hundreds of thousands into investments and uh, entrepreneurial spirit so that they can raise up and touch the world. <laughs> yes, Amy. I was so proud of you tonight. Doesn't she sing like an angel? Oh, my goodness. I see seven albums. <laughs> seven albums before you're 40. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm believing before 30, but it's good. <laughs> no, no one. Woo! <laughs> well, there it is. Um... I am going to change the game for every Christian artist out there. That is truth. That is truth. Come yeah, come on, Chuck. Come on. Come on, baby. I am going to... <laughs> um, I'm trying to... Holy Spirit... <clears throat> I'm trying to believe bigger. I am going to heal the the def the 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 deficit sin deficit. Basically, I'm going to talk about the cross. <laughs> and just, you know, I feel like all right, Jesus, I'm going to release a cross movement like we haven't seen um like what we tapped into with Billy Graham. And it's it's just gonna it's gonna be what Jesus has already done. We're gonna talk about how we're already free. We're not just getting freed. So, yes. come on, that is true. Truth. Yes, I love this. Come on up here. Hey, what's your name? Michaela. Hi, it's my first time. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna be a mouthpiece for God and bring thousands to know Him at my university campus. That is true, Michaela. Hey, hey. Hey, so. The entertainment world belongs to me. <laughs> that is so true. How dare you guys believe these things about yourselves? Hey, come on up here, Dan. Dan Brooke. Kind of a prophecy, but it actually has already happened. Um, someone gave the king of Iraq one of my sculptures. And they also gave <clears throat> gave one to George W. Bush. So God says three or four weeks ago. 
God says he's going to bless the work of our hands, so I just I believe that it's going to do more than just sit there and look pretty. So. Stay up here for just a second. Um, I've seen Dan's sculptures. He's insanely gifted and talented, um, and he's also getting gaining serious favor out in out in the real world. I mean, you've done the sculptures for two different stadiums now, like Baylor and then TCU. He did all those giant sculptures in front of those stadiums, and he's getting so much favor that I want him to lay hands on anyone who want who uh, is called to the arts. Or uh, or entertainment because they, they're they're really closely related. So come on up. We're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna, we're gonna take like two minutes on this one, and we're gonna get we're gonna move on because I got something else to do. All right, just just touch touch each head real quick. <clears throat> yeah, we just impart that favor and that open door. Oh yeah, me too. Get me. <laughs> yes. Favor, open doors, incredible creativity. The mountain of the arts. The mountain of the arts is yours. The mountain of the arts is yours. <laughs> All right. Oh, touch me. Give me. Give me. Yeah. I receive. Triple portion. Triple portion. <laughs> <laughs> My backup vehicle is going to be a Ferrari. Yeah. I will polish it with live mink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys, but I would like a Ferrari. Amen. I receive your prayers. Um, okay, we're going we're gonna to apply this even further and make this even more practical. I put uh, a stack of sticky notes in the back pocket of the chairs on the ends of the rows. I want everyone to get a sticky note right now. So if you're on the ends of the rows, grab a, grab a stack, pass them down, grab a sticky note. Also, uh, get a get a pen out of your purse or pockets. Let me take some of these. Need any pens over here? I'm running out quick. All right, you might have to share some of these. Pen, 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 pen. All right. All right. that's sports money, Annie. Hey, you're you're so smart. I'm about to give you directions. Okay. <clears throat> Does everybody have? You all set? Anybody need anything? You're, there's not one in the sound booth. I cannot bring you one, Sam. I am. Um, okay. So on your sticky note, write. You're going to write a sentence. So leave some room. But in the upper left-hand corner, write 
1 Timothy 1.18. Work pen. Work pen in Jesus' name. <laughs> yes. 1 Timothy 1.18. Okay, and now this scripture is written to Timothy, but tonight it's written to you. So I want you to write your name, and then comma, and say, my son or daughter. (laughs) My amazing, talented, funny, sweet, beautiful daughter. Okay, and then this is the scripture. I'm giving you this command... in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Now make sure you're leaving a bunch of lines under this too. Yeah, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. And here's the last line, it's the same length. It says, so that by recalling them, This is working awesome. Okay, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. So that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Okay, now you're going to write something or a few things that you know you're going to do in your life. And they can be direct prophetic words from people, or they can be prophetic words from God over your life, or they can be dreams of your heart that you know God put there. And I want you to list out two or three specific things that you're going to accomplish in your life. Okay? Is there anyone in here who's never received anything about their destiny from the Lord or through a prophetic word from someone else. It's okay if you haven't. You've never received a prophetic word. I see a couple. Keep your hands up. We actually have a team that's going to give, that's going to prophesy over you. They're going to listen to the Lord on your behalf and tell you some amazing things you're going to do with your life. So if you've never received a prophetic word, please come forward now. Yeah, come on up. And Sasha, you've got some prophetic teams ready for us, right? prophetic people, come on up here. Tonight, the the folks that don't have any prophetic words concerning their destiny, they're going to get prophetic words concerning their destinies. Isn't that exciting? Um, And what we're going to do before it gets uh, chaotic in here, or not chaotic, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean, before we start dispersing, what you're going to do with that sticky note is put it on your steering wheel or the mirror that you look at every morning. You're going to put it somewhere like that you look at every single day, and, and the Lord's going to speak to you. You're going to do these things. You're going to do these things. I've made you for greatness. I have plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, and to not harm you. These are, this is the heart of the Father over you.